Hey, my name's Emma. Hey, my name's Maddie. And you're listening to The Pilot's Pandemic. Hey guys, we're back with season two, episode three of The Pilot's Pandemic with our first ever in-person episode. Say what's up, Maddie. Hey guys, it's so good to be here and actually see Emma's face in real life. So deep into your eyes right now. Yeah, it's kind of intimate. We're all in a semi-circle with a very special guest who is actually a repeat guest, one of my favorites, Miss Jill Monjean. Hey everyone, Pilot Nutritionist here. How you doing? And we're going to get right into the episode. We've got a lot of great questions for Miss Jill. And if you haven't listened to the first episode where we had Jill on, go back to season one. I believe it's episode two or three. Don't hold me to that. Just go back and look. It'll say um, the pilot nutritionist with Jill Monjean. Um, So go listen to that episode. But Jill, if you want to give yourself a little introduction before we get into these um, questions. So for the people who have not listened before or who do not know you. Tell them a little bit about yourself. Sure, I'd be happy to. Thank you. So I am a 16-year pilot's wife. I have a mainline captain at home, 36 years, who had prediabetes, high blood pressure, and a retina detachment in 2020. So I knew if he was at home, as sick as he was, that there were others of you out there as well. So I've dedicated my life to making sure that I can keep all the pilots in the air nice and healthy and passing their FAA medical. You can find me on truecoursenutrition.com or... Or on Instagram, Pilot Nutritionist. All right. Well, without further ado, let's just get into it. Maddie, I'm going to let you start us off. All right. So, Jill, I know like during the pandemic, you've had a lot of pilots coming to you. And I was just wondering, what are the things that are coming out from these pilots with their nutrition or health-wise that is more prevalent than previous to the pandemic? Mm-hmm. So during COVID, it was really interesting. Um the pilots had a lot more anxiety around um, food, number one, because thinking about, you know, they were always getting crew meals. And with all the shutdown in the airports, how were they going to get fed for those that didn't want to pack food or have any type of resources? So lots and lots of anxiety around that. And then, of course, you know, the anxiety around Am I going to have my job? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to have to go on leave? Am I going to get furloughed, you know, just constant swirling in their heads. And then the whole issue of home life, like think about the pilots that were traveling overseas for long periods of time and then had to worry about going home and infecting their families, like tons and tons of anxiety and mental issues, which I'm a dietitian, I'm not a psychologist. So, you know, while it's out of the the scope of my practice, I really had to do a lot of hand holding and um, just listening over that point of time, which, I mean, helped me to build some relationships and get to know people better too. Yeah, I think stress plays such a huge role on your nutrition, but a lot of times we think that they don't go hand in hand. So just push, like pushing that point that your nutrition plays a role on your mental health, but also your mental health may have an effect on how you're eating as well. There's like an inverse relationship between the two. Um, And I know that a lot of pilot wives are struggling um, getting used to their husbands leaving again or 
pilot partners leaving and there may be some some resentment towards their their partner so in your pilot wives group that you run what are some of the struggles that you see with the pilot wives or the pilot partners yeah oh my gosh it's just been rampant this year so you know think about the pilots that are going to beachy locations and getting to sit and watch Sunday night football with all their friends or um, colleagues now while the spouse is sitting at home with four crying kids and 40 loads of laundry and, you know, having to be constantly preparing meal after meal. And then the, just like my house, the dishes pile up and pile up and pile up. Um, constant stress, you know, which is creating further anxiety issues for the pilots because, you know, one, they feel guilty because they're not with their family and they call home to say hello. And then it's just like a war zone at home or they're out watching the football game and they have anxiety because they're actually having fun um, where they might actually be lonely and not be wanting to tell anyone that they're lonely. Um, And then there's that whole issue, you know, I had someone last week that I talked with that said all about like, well, I'm in this awesome location and there's this free buffet. And when I call home and I hear all that stress and creates anxiety for me, why don't I just go back and get six more plates of food? And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. So it's like it's kind of like a negative cycle for both people because one's feeling stressed at home with all their responsibilities and then the other is lonely and they're both wishing that they could be in each other's position. Mm -hmm. So I think the understanding portion goes a long way as partners. And I know that you had mentioned when you work with both partners, they have more success. Um, So can you kind of touch on that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, in, in my intake process, it's always um, the pilot that comes through first because that's, that's the main source that I work with is, you know, airline transport pilots. But what I also try to do on the intake is I try to dig in with the airline pilot to see if the spouse is even receptive to working with me, because then it creates partnership at home and it creates a community for the whole family. So think about, you know, if you are a pilot that has high blood pressure or weight problems or has just been diagnosed with diabetes, how are you going to run your own show? You can, it's great to do it while you're on the road, but once you get home and then your partner wants to go out to eat or get ice cream, or how are you going to navigate that? So if you have both of them working together, you've got the full support, you know? So it's like, you've got a team member on, on your side at all points in times. And then the other thing to think about too, is that I get to do nutrition counseling for both, you know, so there might be something that you never thought will come up with a spouse that comes up that might further help the pilot. So lots of problem solving, lots of interesting things that come up by working with both members of the family. Yeah, I think it creates like a synergistic effect Mm -hmm. for them. And I know um, for me and my husband, it's his trips go a lot better if I am on his side and supporting him. And I understand, I feel like I understand it more intimately just because I've gone on four day trips and know a lot of pilot wives don't necessarily get to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for them to see like, this is not a fun when you have only eight hours or your pilot may have a cough. So they're not really drinking like you think that they are. And they are lonely. That's the thing that I think is great that you pointed out these people are very lonely when they're on a trip. It's not the same as going on a trip with 
their partner or their kids or anything like that. So it's very much work. And I think mostly they're trying to distract themselves from that loneliness, especially during COVID. Yeah. 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 I mean, I could talk about, you know, a situation this week with my pilot. So, you know, he had been going um, CLT, MIA, LAX, which doesn't sound glamorous to pilots maybe, but sound pretty glamorous to me. Well, you know, then he gets his next schedule and it's um, LHR and um, FRA. So I'm like, oh, I want to go to London. But then I got to step back and think, wait a second. Okay. My pilot has high blood pressure, pre-diabetic, and he has celiac. So going to London is probably really not that fun for him because he's locked in his hotel room. You know, there's, there's parameters around that. And how's he going to find food? So you know, you have to kind of, as a spouse and a support person, you have to really sit back and think about that. Like, it's easy at home. And while we might feel as spouses or partners at home that, oh, it's, you know, they're living the life. They're really not. You know, if you if you had a chance to follow in their footsteps for a day, you might, you might see completely different situations. Wow. It's interesting, the amount of dynamic that goes into it. And I think I think a lot about the family dynamic because I did have that dynamic, but it's a totally different perspective from a child's standpoint to a spouse's standpoint. Um, and definitely seems like there's a lot of guilt involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I think so too. Yep. So we're going to kind of switch gears to like questions about student pilots because not everybody's flying for the airline and we have a lot of um, student pilots and private pilots listening sure to do. our pod. So one of the questions I had was what would you tell young pilots who are still figuring out what aviation nutrition looks like and how best to serve themselves and their mental health with what they eat? Oh, this is a good question. So lately I've had a lot of um, student pilots come through my programs, um, you know, because with the airlines hiring now, everyone's trying to get the CFI and they get hired on. So student pilots, um, the, the number one thing I want you to think about when you're listening today is that you're not invincible. You know, you're, you might be 20 or 30 or even 40 years old, but you've got to really think about long term. So what, what is your life going to look like when you're like someone like my husband, like 36 year airline pilot, you've got to start with the basics. So while you might have um, worked mostly on convenience foods, so thinking about package, package stuff, quick, oh, I'll just run through the drive through, you know, I don't have a lot of time. You've got to think about longevity of your life. So thinking about, you know, throwing an apple or a banana or, you know, some carrot sticks, while it might not be the most enjoyable thing every single day, it's going to maintain your career long term. So just do baby steps, you know, whole foods as much as you can. Um, and, you know, just try to try to think about what what do I look like when I'm 60 years old? I mean, every day your food is going to affect your career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point, too, because with fitness and me being a personal trainer, at first, when you're younger, you're like, I just want to look good. Mm-hmm. I, all I care about is my physical yeah. appearance without really realizing like the inside is what mm-hmm. matters. And I think when my dad passed away and kind of thinking about quality of life, that really like shifted my perspective. Like I don't care about how I look like on the outside because if I treat my body right and care about the inside and what I'm putting into it, the reflection on the outside will be the same. Mm -hmm. So it's more important. And I think everyone, when you're younger, think about your quality of life. That is like the most important thing because 
while it's cool to look good in your 20s, if you're not feeding yourself correctly or hydrating or sleeping well, you aren't going to look good in your 50s. Mm-hmm. So, and you're not going to feel good either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's that's a big point to touch on for any young people because I often myself have kind of been guilty of thinking that I'm invincible and I can kind of treat my body like crap and expect the next morning that I'll be okay. And maybe in your twenties, you will be able to wake up and bounce back from that. But there are, there is going to be a day when you won't. And if you don't take care of your body right now, being able to bounce back from that 10, 20 years from now is going to be a lot harder. Um, But speaking of like student pilots and CFIs, I know myself, it's super hard for me to stay hydrated in while I'm flying. I'm going on long cross-country flights. I'm on an IFR flight plan. It's not less, I, like I have to close out my whole flight plan to just stop and use the restroom. Um, so I've kind of found myself just not drinking water. And I've noticed other students as well as CFIs do the same. And I think it all boils down to just really not having a convenient place to use the restroom. So how would you recommend student pilots and CFIs stay hydrated during like these flights? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Always remember that you can live many, many days without food, but you can only live about three days without water. And then when you're flying every hour you lose about 14 ounces so think about long term wow. yeah yeah it's crazy and no one yeah. ever talks about it um what you have to do is you have to come up with a daily plan so you know if you're going out cross-country flying start you know start with a month and think about managing your fluid on a daily basis you know i need 100 ounces or you know i'm just throwing out a number but if you need 100 ounces every single day just working up to that every single day, because if you go from zero to a hundred in one day, your body is going to think what in the world's going on. And it's just going to push it all out and you're going to be peeing nonstop. So it's, it's consistency. Yeah. You've got to have consistency every single day. And then the one thing that is just so eye opening that no one ever talks about is electrolytes. So in order to hold fluid in to get your kidneys to balance, you always need electrolytes. So what, what is that? That's sodium. And, you know, sodium is like the bad word in the whole (laughs) entire world. Every, every, everywhere you look, it's either sugar or carbs or sodium. Well, sodium for airline pilots. So it's your friend because it's what keeps the water in your body. It helps the kidneys to do the work that they have to do. So what I recommend is, you know, every hour, 14 ounces, don't chug a 32 ounce, you know, while you're going cross country, because you're probably going to wet your pants during flight and then fail your test. So instead, you know, 14 ounces with maybe about 300 milligrams of sodium. So what, what's 300 milligrams? That's about one of those little tiny salt packets that you get at, at a fast food chain. You could just dump that in your water. Yeah, I can totally vouch for that because I used to have an issue with being dizzy. And every time I stood up, I just, like Emma said, (laughs) see the white bugs. (laughs) And you can't, you're like, close your eyes just to not like puke or pass out. Um, And I learned that even though I was drinking probably, like you said, 100 ounces a day, I was probably drinking more than that um, just because I'm tall. And I was still getting dizzy and I didn't understand why. And it was because I wasn't getting that sodium intake. And so my body was not able to absorb the, the water. And so just putting a little bit of salt in my water has completely eliminated my dizziness. 
Yep. Nice. Well, I know you have told me that you do work with a few female aviators, but I did want to ask um, what you think the biggest struggle for women's health is in aviation and what you see are some of the like common things that female pilots tend to struggle with. Mm-hmm. Oh, where should I start? So <laughs> Um, the first thing is, and we haven't really even touched on this before, is that there's a lot of shaming going on. You know, there's not a lot of female pilots. What is it, like 7% in the yeah. industry, I think? It's so an ATP. Yeah. yeah. So when I look at my roster, you know, out of um, 40-some people, I probably have, I don't know, 1% or 2% of those female pilots. But the recurring theme that I hear all the time, which just boils my blood, is shaming. So the female pilot wants to take care of their body because they're probably going to have children one day. So they're thinking ahead of time. Women are women pilots are amazing in the fact that they always are focused on taking care of their bodies. It's unbelievable. Um, and nothing against the men, nothing against the men. You know, you probably had a mother that took care of you for a long time. So we're just going to go down. It's probably what it is. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But the, what I find is that I get a lot of comments from female pilots that say, um, I was sitting here eating and someone said something, are you you eating again? Well, yeah, of course you're eating again because you're thinking about the safety of your passengers and yourself long-term. So, you know, for the females, that's, that's what they have to think about all the time is you've got all that balance on hormones. So if you're not feeding your body properly, then when you get to childbearing years or you get to menopause or, you know, bone health, there's so many issues to cover in such a short period of time today, but females have to be 100% always focused on feeding themselves at it. It just, it can wreck your health so quickly by starvation. Absolutely. And that's what I was going to ask was my next question. Like I know that food can obviously make a huge impact on your hormones, but if you were talking to someone who is trying to like just regulate and balance a little bit more, what would be your suggestion? Like what are some good fruits, vegetables, supplements that are key for women's nutrition? Yeah. For women's health, Um, you know, anytime over the age of 22, you're not building bone anymore. So you really have to figure out how to get calcium in. And, you know, if you're not a milk drinker or doing dairy at all, you can get all of your calcium through fruits and vegetables, you know, broccoli, spinach, two of the the number one foods that you can get calcium through. So you got to think about calcium and bone health first, because you're not going to be able to walk through the airport if you have some bone density issues later on. Um, number two, um, I'm not really very well versed in hormones. I don't do a lot of women's health, but just thinking off the top of the head with myself is, um, proper intake. So what I see with hormone issues, mostly in females is they've always been told all their lives, not only by family members and coworkers and the media and Instagram, whatever is that we shouldn't be eating, you know, I get pilots that come in that are eating 800 to 1200 calories. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my that's God. barely even Jeez. enough to keep yourself in the bed, laying down, sleeping. So it, if I had to drive anything home today, it would have to be about making sure you're getting enough food every day. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, one thing to touch on that I've learned over my own course of education with hormones is that um, one 
hormones out of balance, all the rest of your hormones out of balance. And so that imbalance can cause a lot of stress on your body. Um, and one of your stress hormones is cortisol, which is already being worked while you're flying, especially in long hauls. Um, and that will affect your sleep and everything else. So for women, especially it's I feel even more important that they pay attention to their nutrition and their hydration and especially their sleep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sleep. I mean, we could talk for hours about sleep too, because not enough sleep then it throws everything else off. Yeah. Um, sleep disruptions are like the biggest cause of health. I didn't stuff. even think about that for people who are, you know, you're traveling all over the world going from time zone to time zone. How do you, so like, how do you, do people complain a lot about sleep and how do you, I mean, for people, I mean, like myself, it's so hard for me to fall asleep and I can't imagine traveling being so your, your time being so wonky than having to take these quick like naps to get back up again, to go back to the airport. How do you balance that? Yeah. Yeah. So what I, I do a lot of different food sourcing. So I, I like to look at schedules. Um, if, you know, if you've got, a a late night in, say you get in at midnight and you got to get in bed because you know, you've got a long day the next day. So I tend to do carbohydrates and thinking about simple sugar. So what does that look like? Like cereal, or I'm going to be the dietitian that recommends cookies because cookies, simple sugars actually put you to sleep and there's tons of studies on it. Mm -hmm. So that's the first way I learned something new today. I'm going to be eating cookies before bed. All the more excuse. My dentist will hate me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I always, I always put on meal plans, like simple sugars before bed. So your favorite sugary treat. Um, I think that's really the main thing, you know, and then if, if you're in a city, you know, say you live on the East coast, but you're flying to the West coast, the biggest thing that you can do is make a decision. Are you going to stay on body time or on real time? And then just go with it throughout your whole entire month, because what that will do is it won't throw off your circadian rhythm quite as much, or a lot of people don't talk about going for a walk in the morning. So, you know, even though I'm writing meal plans, I will write on the meal plan to get up at 8 AM and go for a walk. And this is one trick. Don't wear sunglasses because the, Sunlight going through your eyes without sunglasses increases your vitamin D, which increases your bone health, uptake of calcium, and resets your circadian rhythm. How about that? that I'm <laughs> You're blowing our mind. I'm like, what? I'm, I like have to wear sunglasses because my eyes are just so sensitive. So I'll be wearing it even when the sun isn't directly out in my eyes. So how do you go outside if your eyes are super sensitive without glasses? Like just tell them to bear it. Yeah. So, you know, I've had LASIK surgery, so I have to wear sunglasses. I'm basically like a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> so what I try to do is when, when I pick my time to go outside is I try to find a shady place. So like if I'm going to go out and walk even for five or 10 minutes to set circadian rhythm is walk beside a building with a shadow, you know, so you're not getting that glare in your eyes, but the, the time in the eyes uh, without the sunglasses is super and super important. Good, good. <laughs> I love that. And on the topic of eyes, so like that's one big thing is my I get done flying. And if I flew pretty hard during the day, I'd step out of the airplane. It was like my eyes were bulging out of my skull. Like they were swollen from 
being in direct sun and most pilots know you cannot use polarized sunglasses. Mm -hmm. So how would you like, what are, what's a good way to like maintain eye health? I know that goes really deep into what you're eating, obviously, and what you're giving your body. Um, but do you see that often with your pilots? Which I know. Yeah. Yeah. My husband, I mean, Mr. I won't wear sunglasses for 30 years. And then, you know, he had six eye surgeries last year because his retina detached. So number one, people don't talk about is fruits and vegetables. It crazy as it sounds, they really do help repair mm-hmm. all of your eye sight. It, it reduces all of the radiation that your eyes are getting while you're up in the sky, not wearing those polarized sunglasses. And then I'm not a really big fan of supplements except for just a, a couple. And one is omega-3 fatty acids. I've been doing a lot of research about omega-3 fatty acids this last month. And I have found that it actually improves eyesight. I'm working with an, um, with a, optometrist in uh, DFW right now who works with airline pilots. And he says, this is why I'm quoting this because he's a medical doctor. I'm not. Um, He says up to 3000 milligrams of fatty acids a day, omega-3 will help improve your eyesight. And I have put my husband on it now. He hates, you know, fish oil capsules, or if you are vegetarian, then you take algae capsules. Um, but if you want more information, you know, find me and we can chat about that. But yeah, omega-3s improves eyesight. Interesting. Yeah. Well, the more you know, guys, um, <laughs> every single time I talk to Jill, I always learn something new. And honestly, we need Jill to like keep us all in check, keep us all in line, make sure that we're taking care of our body and, you know, just instilling us with good health affirmations. Yeah. And I honestly, what I love about Joel the most is like, she's no bullshit. And I love that she will tell you how it is. And I really believe pilots need that. They need someone to tell them how it is because oftentimes they just get a run around about their health, especially from their AME. So Jill will tell you what's up. So that's why I love to work with pilots because pilots, when usually when they, they reach out to me, they're like, give me the information, tell me how long I have to do it. Now leave me alone and let me go do it. Yeah. Yeah. They, they yeah. are hard headed though. Very hard headed. <laughs> yes. But we did have some fun little questions that, you know, just sort of are like little get to know me segment. Um, Maddie, I'll let you start. Yes. Okay. So Del, first question, what is your favorite non-rev experience or crappiest non-rev <laughs> experience you get to pick? Well, I'm going to... I'm going to probably, uh, my, my airline pilot probably won't talk to me after this, but as a 16 year pilot, wise, I just got non-rev benefits last year. Hello. Uh, so, so I would say the crappiest is not being able to non-rev for uh, like 15 years. Right. Oh, dang. Okay. Yes. That's, that's going to be hard to one up, but. but I just showed Jill a new world. I showed her ID 90 travel, my ID travel. So she's going to be going international here. Real quick. Too much. Cause he's walking in the house right now. <laughs> so Maddie, I wanted to ask you, what is your worst slash best non-rev, non-rev experience? Cause you okay. non-rev a lot. Yes. Yes. So I have non-revved internationally since I was like, let's see, 24 when I started working at the airline. So I think it was like a year or two after I got my benefits, I went over to China. I went to Beijing with Jesse and we were doing a, we're flying on Delta. 
So we're sitting in coach and the cue to like getting upgraded is like bring treats for your flight attendants, introduce yourself to the pilot if you are able to on Delta for sure, because the pilots have all this say, Um, but usually the flight attendants are the ones that will on other airlines that will be the ones to bring you up to first class. But at this time we, uh, we talked to the flight attendants, Jesse went up, talked to the, the pilots and we were sitting in coach and the people behind us were actually from my hometown. So we were talking to them for a little bit and the flight attendant comes back like while we're mid conversation and she's like, excuse me. She's like, the captain would like to invite you to dinner. And we're like, grab our bags, run up to first class. Bye guys. Nice meeting you. And they're like, you lucky ducks. But the, the, funny part about that is when we were on our return flight same people on the flight and they're like we remember you you got first class and they're like now you have to sit back here and coach with us well we did the same thing the flight attendants came back again they're like oh what and we so we got first class both ways you guys that's like insane for non-rev travel you never get first class so yeah, that was my best non-rev experience going to Beijing and coming back on Delta. I was like, clutch. Okay. okay. No, you never met those people again in your hometown. You haven't run into them at all, have you? No, I haven't. They <laughs> <laughs> they were just like, oh, my gosh, you guys. But... They're salty, very salty. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think mine, mine, the best one that I've ever non-rev, I non-rev to Germany with my family, I think almost – four years ago at this point, but we ended up getting bumped up to first class on an international flight and had the little bed and everything. So I don't remember any of the flight because I fell asleep because they yeah. had a bed. So definitely best non-rev experience ever, but I have quite a few that were bad. Yeah. Traveling alone as a child. Do not recommend <laughs> um, any pilot wives or pilots or anyone listening. Don't, don't, which now it's different. You have to have an escort. But yeah. back in the day, you could go solo dolo at like 10 years old, yeah. 12 years old. Not fun. Not fun. But Maddie, you have a note here about favorite fast food indulgence. Yes. And- Wait, I wanted to ask Jill that because she's a nutritionist. And then yeah. she already knows what I love. So I'm just going to say, Jill... Jill knows the way to my heart. When she picked me up from the airport, she took me straight to Taco Bell. So if you want to be my friend, get me Taco Bell, Crunchwrap Supreme, no sour cream, black beans, please. And I will love you forever. But Jill, what's you? if you have to eat fast food, what's your favorite? I don't really have a favorite. I, I'm more like if I am traveling, I'm going to find the local ice cream place. So like the mom and oh, pop sweets. shops. Yeah, oh. that's my thing. Okay. I have no. I, I'm grew what's, up in the south. I like cookout. What's your ice cream flavor then? Oh, peanut butter and chocolate. Oh, yes. Ooh, that is a good <laughs> flavor. The um Briar, I think it's Briars. They do like a dark chocolate with um peanut butter swirl through it. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Get that. To I'm, die for. I'm disgusting. I will put a glob of peanut butter in my cereal. My one of my girlfriend's boyfriend oh, does wow. that. And he told me to do it one day, and ever since then, like, if I'm going to eat cereal, I'm going to put peanut butter in it. That sounds pretty amazing. With, like, honey 
so good guys that's actually like balanced because you got the carbs from the cereal you got the fat and protein from the peanut butter if you like peanut butter try it it's good for you (laughs) jill approved (laughs) oh my goodness but do you want to last the ask her the last question no, you do it. Okay, okay. Go, you go. So, would you rather fly internationally in coach for 10 hours or fly in first class with a flatbed, but the packs next to you has really bad manners and bad gas? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my India trip. <laughs> I, I, am, I love to meet people, so I would fly in coach because you never know who you might meet. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm the same way. I'm like, listen, I don't need a bed. I've got the, the um, what you call it, the tray table. I'll just put my head on the tray table and fall asleep. I know you guys are like committing the ultimate sun because I'm like, I have to have a flat bed. I sound like a princess, and I might be, but I can't do other people's flat flat shoes. Their yeah. smells? No, I can't. I can't do that. That's like yeah. my biggest pet peeve. Um, so I could, there's no way, do not put me in a metal tube next to anyone who's (laughs) freaking gassy. Like that is just a nightmare, a nightmare. But the sad thing is, is you probably know about this. Flying makes you so gassy. Yeah. It makes you so gassy. There's no way you're not passing gas on a flight on a long haul for sure. My poor flight instructors, (laughs) like, thank God. Like I have really good control, but the amount of times that I get out of the airplane, it was like, I was inflated. You could (laughs) have Like a balloon. Like, because I'm holding it all in because I'm like embarrassed. But a two hour flight will do it to you, man. You get out of the airplane. I'm like, I'll call my boyfriend. I'm like, I'm not okay. Like, my stomach hurts so bad. He's like, it's probably because you need to fart. Like, he's like, why don't you just fart in the airplane? It's not like he probably cares. I'm like, I'm I'm a woman. I'm a lady. Like, I do have some manners. It's just embarrassing. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Like, <laughs> oh wait there's only two people here yes. <laughs> it's so bad though like it makes your back hurt like that's one thing i noticed from after starting flight school was like i i didn't realize at first that it was gas pain i just i didn't really think anything about it and then i made the connection that i was having like it i thought it was like i needed to crack my back that was the sensation of it was like it felt like a buildup of like my back hurt really, really bad. Yeah. Um, and it is so painful, especially when it's like in your rib cage. Mm-hmm. It can get so bad. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, I don't even know how to like tell you to fix that problem. Beano. Beano. <laughs> I have Beano in my car. <laughs> in my flight bag. Start start eating better because that is kind of telling on yourself. Yeah. If you're not eating a balanced diet, getting enough fruits and vegetables and fiber, then all the gut bugs in your lower intestine start to act up. Yeah. What's going on? I also just give up and I don't even eat before my flight lessons, which is a huge red flag. Don't do that. But I I just gave up. I'm like, "Mm mm-mm, no, which... I just have like what I call it bubble gut. Yeah. My 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 innards way. are never okay. Yeah. Never. So anyways, well, this has been a really great <laughs> chat and a lovely way to wrap up this episode. But Maddie, did you have any more questions for Miss Gio Mangine? Uh, I think Jill, you cover it all. I'm just grateful that we all got to be here in real life and me and you know what? We're just as friendly as we were online. Yes, yes. It honestly I keep t- I just kept telling Maddie it's like weird because it's I don't know I feel like I've talked to you enough that it's like yeah. I've already met you in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like nothing yeah. changed. Yeah. I no. was like, okay. We picked up where we left yeah. off. 
Exactly. And as I always say, I'm like, well, now they're not really creepy internet friends, so I've met them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, we're not gonna like, you know, we're not axe anyway. murderers. Yeah. <laughs> we're not gonna get kidnapped. Yeah, exactly. Jill's didn't cut me open I and steal my kidney last night, so we're oh. good. <laughs> I thought I was after we heard Mr. Fox outside. I was like, oh, Jill's like, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm scared. <laughs> but no, guys, it was just a. A horny fox outside so <laughs> that's what they do they scream and yell don't look it up you'll scare yourself it's kind of gives you the heebie-jeebies but because jill lives out here lake life with all the nature so but thank you jill so much for having us and maddie it has been lovely meeting you yes. and i cannot wait for future episodes and we all have to do this again very soon yes thanks joe thank you too Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Miss Jill Mongeen. Um, Maddie and I wanted to come back on and just let you guys know again about the $200 giveaway. So we are doing a raffle for the petition. Um, Maddie wants 7,500 signatures for her birthday. So here's what we're doing. Um, Basically, if you have not signed the petition already, um, you will sign and that will be one entry. So one raffle ticket. Um, if you've already signed the petition, this is where it gets a little bit tricky. Um, I had a few people DM me about this last night. So if you've already signed the petition, you're going to go to the petition on change.org um, and you will go like you're going to re-sign the petition. Um, change will redirect you to the donations page and you'll be able to donate there. Um, again, $1 equals one raffle ticket, $5 would equal five raffle tickets, so on and so forth. Um, if you're signing for the first time, you will also have the option to donate as well. So it'll be one signature plus whatever amount of money you donate. Um, None of the donations go to Maddie and I because they're going directly through change.org. Um, they take that money and they basically promote and boost the petition. So it's able to be seen by more people, AKA more signatures. So it's a win-win situation and you guys will have the chance to win $200. You can do anything with it and it is coming right out of Maddie's pocket. So we're doing this because we feel super passionate about it. And again, we just really want to get to that 7,500. So you'll go to the petition on change.org and we are going to draw for the raffle on November 12th. Um, and then we will contact you via email. We'll keep you anonymous for the first part until you've contacted us back. If you don't contact us back by the 15th, then we will have to do a redraw. Um, but just, you guys, if you signed and you donated, it does help. You don't have to do it, but you can screenshot that and send a picture to either Maddie or I or our email, which will be in the show notes. So anyways, I hope this all made sense, Maddie. Do you think, was there anything that I left out? Um, I don't think that you left out anything. I think we covered it all, but just so you guys know, like that 7,500 is a big goal for Emma and I in the petition. 
and it means a lot to us even that you just sign even if you don't donate but the donations like Emma said they go towards our petition and even if it's a dollar it really helps other people see the petition besides just pilots and our platforms and I'm just excited if we get to the 7500 goal we will have our petition seen by someone in Congress because it's going to go to a decision maker and his name is Sam Graves. So it's a big deal and it would just mean so much to me on my birthday to know that we got to that 7,500 signatures and I will willingly throw that $200 cash at you. So go inside, go and donate. Yes. And, um, we are we'll be posting updates there is a chance that there may be a little bit more involved in the giveaway but we're gonna leave you guys with little breadcrumbs like along the way i think two hundred dollars right now should be enough to get you to want to sign that petition um so it's free money guys free money free 99 all right well it has been lovely this week um Maddie again it was so awesome and fabulous we're doing this remotely right now it's the day after we recorded guys and I'm like I miss my girl I know we had so much fun I know I cannot wait to do it again well you guys stay tuned for next week's episode and we'll be right back with you but for right now keep the blue side up and the brown side down Hey guys, so at the end of this episode, you will hear a brief passage that was not written by me, um, but it is an airman's prayer. You guys have all heard, probably by now, but yesterday a student pilot was killed in a plane crash at the University of North Dakota. They are still unsure of the cause and not much information has come out yet, but I just wanted to pay my respect to the family, the friends, and all the students at UND right now during this extremely tragic time. So thank you all for listening. And um, just please be respectful during this time. I know there are a lot of people speculating online, but um, again, not really much has come out. So just... Be respectful and keep everyone in your prayers. I have slipped the Shirley bonds of earth and danced the skies on laughter, silvered wings. Sunward I've climbed and joined the tumbling mirth of sun-spit clouds and done a hundred things you have not dreamed of, wheeled and soared and swung high in the sunlit silence. Hovering there, I've chased the shouting wind along and flung my eager craft through the footless halls of air. Up, up the long, delirious, burning blue, I've topped the windswept heights with easy grace, where never a lark or even an eagle flew. And while with silent, lifting mind I've trod the high, untrespassed sanctity of space, put out my hand and touched the face of God.